I'm a brand podcaster in the accounting, finance, and fintech space. Our flagship show, Accounting Influencers, is now one of the world's leading podcasts in this genre and has a number of spin-off shows over the years. This particular show is now focusing on talent, which, let's face it, is one of the biggest challenges for the accounting world at the moment. And the format stays the same. I interview the experts, the influencers, and the leaders in many different aspects of culture, talent, employer brand succession, talent attraction, retention, soft skills, accounting credentials, qualifications, leadership, mental well-being, the brand of the profession, employee value propositions, employee engagement, increasing capacity and headcount in accounting firms, career development, and the usual HR, learning and development, DEI, the great resignation, a ton of other talent-related issues in accounting. And whether you're hiring or being hired, Happy where you are or considering a move, leading or following, employed or self-employed, totally skilled up and super employable or needing to refresh your skills, sharpen your personal brand. This is the perfect podcast for you accounting, finance and tech professionals to stay competitive, relevant and informed about all things talent in accounting. So let's get moving with today's show. Influencers Broadcast Network presents Influencers in Accounting with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. Brought to you by Advanced Track. It's Rob Brown here. Welcome to our Influencers in Accounting podcast. And I'm thrilled to have with me today an old friend. He's in the UK, but he's from New Zealand. It's Mark Jenkins. Good day. Hi there, Rob. Nice to be here and in the right time zone. Yes, we've recorded at all unearthly hours in the past, Matt. We've had you on the show before, and it's great to have you back. You're in the UK, obviously doing a world tour. What are you up to? Uh, I've just been uh, over here running some events, reconnecting with accounting firms that are part of the gap that we haven't seen. We've been in Fortress, New Zealand, locked down for two years. <laughs> So we haven't been able to get out, or we've been able to get out, but not allowed to get back in. So um, nobody's left. And so now we're just reconnecting with everyone in the UK and reconnecting with my family here too. Sure. And the gap is very much your brand, Mark. For people that don't know, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so basically a, a process engine to help you market, sell and deliver advisory services. So just what I used to do in my own accounting firm for 17 years, fully systemized business planning and coaching or financial awareness or webinars and events. Those are the things I used to do in my accounting firm. And we've formed a, a company called The Gap eight years ago now, and that content um, accountants can subscribe to. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel yourself. But um, yeah, we've got about 500 accounting firms around the world, mainly New Zealand, Australia, and the UK, but certainly interested in, in accounting influences. This podcast, I think you're doing great work in the space, Rob. And I think it's not about me to talk about The Gap. It's more about, hey, what, what are the challenges we're facing right now? Sure. And let's go over that. We tend to think here in the UK that the world revolves around us. But I, I had a stat recently that there are more accountants in the state of New York than there are in the whole of the United Kingdom. I don't know what that's like in Australia, New Zealand, but uh, we're perhaps not the center of the universe. What's happening over there in your part of the world, Mark, that you can give us a steer on that might be coming up for us? Yeah, look, I think one of the one of the things about New Zealand is quite a fascinating market in some ways. Very small. Our population is five million. Uh, and so, and that's not 5 million accountants, very few accountants. In fact, <laughs> if you believe the predictions, there'd be 19 accountants in New Zealand by 2030 because oh, this fear and loathing about making tax digital and what's going to happen to the accounting industry, they're all going to be made redundant. I don't subscribe to any of that. That, that is totally not true. But what's happening in New Zealand, because it's a small market, is that 
things get trialed and tested in New Zealand because it's quite an easy market to make a mistake. So, you know, you can fail talk, fast, can't you? We can fail really fast. So, you know, we can have our, our one of our best cricketers fail quickly and then he'll end up the coach of the UK cricket team. Shout <laughs> out to Brendan McCullum. There's no need for that. But uh, for <laughs> people that don't play cricket, New Zealand, Australia tend to be a hotbed of innovation. You're a little bit ahead of the curve. There's some great fintech software companies come out of there. You're blazing a trail. So uh, I guess you're saying it all starts with you guys, Mark, aren't you? Well, well, not so much. But what happens is that we don't have the protections of estate duty or um, inheritance taxes or um, stamp duty. Uh, we don't have capital gains tax. So we don't have many protections. You know, there's not subsidies and tariffs. Uh, so we're a market that's had to adapt itself. And so when technology and digital transformation happens quickly, where there's no protection. So accountants have had to evolve and do things differently. So in my view, my observation of working with hundreds of accountants in the UK and also in, in Australia and New Zealand is that the New Zealand accountants and some of the Australian ones have had to really transform the way they work out of necessity because the digital transformation has has you know put, put some fear in them that they would they need to do some things differently. But the reality is that for those who haven't changed, there's just as much work because we've got the equivalent of you know I think you call it um, ITSA or something income tax self assessment and MTD. We've had the equivalent of that sort of thing in New Zealand. In a, in a slightly different form, but it's really the same thing for about 10 to 15 years. Wow. And so what happens in New Zealand is that accountants have had to think differently and choose whether they want a higher volume of, of work for you know, in the compliance space for maybe a slightly less margin, and they can still offer, operate a highly profitable business doing that, or have fewer clients and offer a higher value service, which means they need to adapt and offer advisory services. So we've had that transformation has actually been going on in, in, in a big way in the last five years. And that's not just about the MTD equivalent. It's just technology is making it easier and more efficient and offshoring as well, by the way. We've been doing a lot of offshoring in New Zealand for about seven or eight years now. Yeah, we might pick up on that. But you mentioned before we click the record button here that business owners are scared of getting tax wrong. So they desperately need good financial advice from their advisors. Yeah. Absolutely. So we have in New Zealand, we have a, a thing called AIM. Um, we, what do they call that? Accounting income method or something. So when you file your equivalent of a VAT return, a GST return, you can pay your tax at the same time based on your turnover that's in your equivalent VAT return. The number of business owners who are doing that would be less than 1%. I'm certain of it because business owners just don't want to get it wrong. They And not only do they not want to get it wrong, they don't want to miss out on a tax saving. So if the accountant can say, well, actually, if you did it this way, we could save you this tax here and, and also you'll be able to sleep at night. All of a sudden, that, that whole concept is, is nullified because the, the business owner doesn't want to take that risk. Now, you've done MTD in its format for some time. We keep deferring it here in the UK and maybe our North American cousins across the Atlantic, it's not dawned on them at all. But this is coming, isn't it, Mark? Oh, absolutely. And, and just a few distinctions here. The, the, the UK is ahead of New Zealand in terms of needing to have a digital receipt for everything. Um, that, that, that's a new piece. But the concept of a business owner being able to do more of this work themselves has been around in different formats for quite some time. And in New Zealand, because... I guess if, if I agree with what you're saying is a hotbed of change and we, we 
try new things. I mean, Zero and Spotlight Reporting and quite a few of the other products came out of New Zealand to start with. So, so many business owners have had access to this, you know, things like Dext as well to be able to, in its previous form, Receipt Bank, have been able to use those sorts of products for quite some time. And so, and they're ready for that. And it's easier for them to do that because accountants have been offering app advisory and that sort of thing for a longer period of time. So the adoption is as much driven by the business owner wanting to do this themselves as it is by the government or the HMRC equivalent and New Zealand IRD or IRS, if you like, pushing this from, from their end. So, so I think fear about this is, is unwarranted. What does fear stand for? False evidence appearing real. We've got some evidence in New Zealand that I suspect will be the reality in the UK and the US as well. Uh, it doesn't change your need to think about what you want from your accounting firm. If you want to be doing higher level work with fewer clients and get your life back and get some time back, then this is a good excuse to do it. If you, if you don't want to do that, that's cool as well. It's probably a high volume, higher volume business you'd be looking for with maybe slightly less fees, fees in, in there, but you can still make money out of that model as well. The key thing is it's up to you. What do you want to do? I, I wanted to help clients more. I wanted to solve their problems. So I started doing this work and that's what the gap is all about as well, helping accountants accelerate small business success. Mm. There's some discrepancy in figures, at least here in the UK, Mark, about to what degree firms are digitized? Many promote themselves as digital accountants in the digital world, but really they've just got a piece of digital software and they're using that that's integrated, adopted throughout the firm to various degrees. So how far on are we with the digital revolution transformation, at least here in the UK? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I'm probably not qualified to, to, to say, to answer that question, but in terms of digital adoption of, I mean, even things like you know, we have a have a quick conversation and then hit record on a podcast, but and we can do that straight away. Accountants are connecting with their clients all around the world. They're offering services to. I was speaking to an accounting firm that's offering services to to Thailand. We've got accountants from the UK who are moving to other countries in the world and still offering services to to um, clients back in the UK. We've seen that in New Zealand as well. It doesn't. We've got this cross border. Uh, digitization is making it possible to have clients anywhere in the world or anywhere in your country and also working from home and the pandemic has accelerated team members ability to work from anywhere as well so you have this this nomadic accountant type type concept that's coming out now what is happening as well as the digital revolution and how quickly that's changing is we've got a desperate shortage of people with the right skills i'm talking empathy selling skills um being able to speak wider than the numbers, um, th those, th yeah, the, the selling skills, those are those are skills that the modern accountant needs to learn. So that's what digitization is, is. It's showing up the people who are not investing in that space as well. In terms of how far we've got to go with digitization, I just think we're just going to keep accelerating. It's just that's just going to keep happening, and we should embrace that because the power of of the relationship is. That, that's where the power is, the relationship face-to-face, -face, whether it's through a computer screen like this or whether it's in person, that, that's where the help is really needed. And that will never change. It hasn't changed in New Zealand. And you may argue that for some accountants, the biggest competitor is not the firm down the road or even the national, international firm that, as you say, can get clients anywhere, but their own complacency, that they're still using checkbooks and Excel spreadsheets to do stuff that can be done with a push of a button with much more sophisticated technology now. So they've not embraced the cloud and gone digital as much as they should be. 
Yeah, I think I think the thing is that we have, you know, what's the 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 law of diffusion of um, innovation? You know, you, that, that traditional bell curve where you have the you have the the, yeah, the adopters and the, yeah, the, the laggards innovators, and, and we have yeah. laggards. We're always going to have laggards. But as you say, accountants shouldn't be worried about the laggards because the clients of those laggards will vote with their feet. Well, equally, we don't want to be the the innovators because that's where mistakes are made, and it's only certain people that want to be innovators. But the thing is that in terms of a digital transformation, we are in, I would say, New Zealand, probably the late majority now. So we've gone past the 50% and we're into the last the last 34%, um, leaving the 16% laggards that will never change. Maybe in the UK, I'm not sure because I've, I've only been here for eight weeks, um, but I have been speaking to many accountants, but most of them are, are digital. Maybe we're in the, the um, early majority. So that's sort of beyond the beyond the innovators and the early adopters and into the early majority. Now, those people, are that maybe they're a little bit conservative. Um, maybe they're, they're like, well, hold on, we need to prove this works first before we do it. We need to check with our peers, what, what are our peers doing? And so I'm hoping that by listening, listening to me and, and, and us talking, if, if, if someone's in that space listening, they're gonna go, ah, it is proven. It has happened in New Zealand. It's happening in Australia. It is going to happen in the, in the UK. So now is a good time for me to decide what it is that I really want to do. Yes, and that, if I'm being pejorative, is the way that UK people do it. They wait to see what's happened. They wait to see it work. Americans are a little bit like that too. Let's not go full at it right now because this not might not be the right thing. You talk about pioneers in a way. They're the ones that end up face down in the dirt with arrows in their back. So there's a cost of being that first mover. That's what you're speaking into them. Yeah, and I think also there are, yeah, you know, some people do very well out of that as well. By if, if that's your style and that's the way you like to operate, but if you have a team of people working with you, you can't accelerate your growth in the space unless you have a, a tried and proven way of doing this. And so the the waiting game is worthwhile. But I guess what I'm saying is it's time to stop waiting and start time to decide what it is that you want to do. And I'm not. I'm not saying either or either is the right or the wrong model. It's about what you want. The other thing that I think the last two years has really helped people to realize is that we've got to think about who we actually want to be. Life's short. The last two years, I haven't been connected with two of my sons. I was sharing with you, I've been in Fortress, New Zealand. They've been living in the, here in, in, in the UK. And so my ability to connect with them, that's the most important thing for me. So for me to have the connection with family and time with family, that's my highest priority. And the last two years has helped me to see that. Equally, if as an accountant, if you're maybe a little bit bored with compliance, or maybe you, I used to feel like a bit of a leech. I used to feel like I was taking money from the business owner. I'd go down through their profit and loss statement. We used to put our expenses in alphabetical order. And so accountancy would come up at the top and quickly <laughs> skip past that. You know, and we're not going to talk about that. And they thought, no, no, I, I want to be seen as an investment. I want to see I want my clients to see me not as a cost, because if I'm a cost, I should be cut like all the other overheads. Um, but if they see me as an investment in helping them to get what they want out of their business, whether that's more money, less tax, better lifestyle, it doesn't matter, whatever they want. If they see me as a strategic partner, then they need me now more than ever. And I think that's the, that's the transformation we need to see in the accounting industry. Accountants deciding who they want to be and living into that first and foremost for themselves and then 
projecting that forward to their clients. Yeah, nicely put. I'm just thinking alphabetically, advisory comes straight after accounting and the expenses. But yeah, I take your point. And it's a good time to talk about talent. We've heard a lot about the great resignation. People at all ages recalibrating their priorities, asking themselves, as you suggest, what do I really want to be doing? What do I really want to be? Who do I want to be? What kind of results do I want for my clients? What kind of career do I want? And accounting firms are feeling the backlash, if you like, of that and really struggling to recruit good people. An employer brand then becomes an issue. How do we attract the right kind of people? How do we get the capacity in to drive our growth targets and keep the promises to our clients? Speak into that a little bit more. Yeah, fascinating subject. And we could we could probably do a separate podcast just on attracting and retaining good quality talent because this is a This is one of the biggest issues facing the accounting industry at the moment. In New Zealand, we're starting to see accounting firms working a four, four and a half day week. So, you know, and that's not, you do 12 hours a day for four days a week, and then, you know, you get the day off on Friday. It's a, it's a, you know, a 30 hour week or a 32 hour week. Uh, That's quite an attractive proposition. Uh, Equally, we see firms that are getting really clear on their core values, or maybe their B Corp certification or their carbon neutrality, or some of these other things which are equally as important to millennials or um, Gen Y, people who are thinking, no, hold on, I've, I've got to think more about what my contribution to the environment is. I think, I'm not thinking of a long career and, and doing the same thing all the time. So as well as that, they want to have contact with people. Yes, they're, they're digital, they're, they, they understand technology, they just expect that, that's a given. What they want is to have relationships with the clients. They want to be helping them. They want to have some fun. They want to enjoy their workplace. They want the working from home flexibility and that sort of thing. I think we'll probably see a bit of a shift back towards more office-related work and and a, a degree of working from home. But if you're thinking young accountants who have been studying for ages, they've got a big student loan, they're probably in a in a in a space that's pretty small. It's not going to be an ideal working from home environment. So creating a, a, a nice workspace for them. But I think if we don't resolve, if we don't make our accounting business attractive to young young talent, then we don't have a succession plan. But equally, we're actually being a bit of a fraud if we talk to our clients about you know, time freedom or mind freedom. When we're, I saw one of your posts recently about uh, a large accounting firm having some, some difficulty with people cheating in, in exams, that sort of thing. You know, that's the pressure that, we cannot put on young people anymore. They just will, they'll vote with their feet, just like clients will vote with their feet. Not sure if I answered the question there, Rob. Well, talent's just a, a big area. There's some thoughts that the accounting profession as a career choice is not sexy anymore. We've done previous episodes on the drain from accountants in practice to accountants in industry, working for commerce, retail, fintech. So they're going there. Or some of them are not even coming into the accounting profession. They're not even studying an accounting qualification because they feel with what they know and what they can do, they want to go into different areas. So I guess as a brand, the accounting profession may have a little bit of work to do. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Equally, at the same time, in in New Zealand, we have bank managers who are very good at client relationships, moving out of the banks and moving into accounting firms because they can see they've got a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit themselves. They can see that you know, maybe they do have to do a little bit of study to get some, some qualifications, but the professional bodies um, are, are starting to be a little bit more flexible in New Zealand to allow that to happen. So I can see many examples of insurance people or um, ex-bank managers who got sick of that corporate world and actually have moved into the accounting world and are transforming those accounting firms. So 
That's an innovation that, that I'm really excited about. And then I think when those accounting firms start to do this work, we're also seeing evidence of people who are studying to do something else, getting an internship or a holiday job at an accounting office and going, oh, that's what accounting is. Oh, <laughs> I didn't think, I thought I'd be doing photocopying and and and, and, and you know, filing, that sort of thing. No, no, oh, you do business planning with your clients. Oh, you go and see them at their place. Oh, this is a bit more interesting. Oh, and you're using this technology. So, oh yeah, I think the, the industry's got a bit of work to do to, to, I don't know if accounting will ever be sexy. Um, I remember when I first met my wife and she asked me what I did for a job and I said I was an accountant. Before she went looking for someone else to talk to, she said, what's your redeeming feature? <laughs> we're seeing some pivots at the top and the bottom end, Mark. And what I mean by that is we're moving perhaps slightly away from the managing partner, traditional business model of an accounting firm, buying equity, getting a stake in the firm to a C-suite. A CEO that's perhaps not an accountant. We've seen it in schools. Head teachers are no longer qualified teachers, but they're running a business. And at the bottom end, we've heard stories about businesses hiring non-accountants to do their bookkeeping because they want, say, a zero certified professional that's accredited in software, but has no CPA or accounting qualification to speak of because they just want their taxes done right. Yeah, I'm seeing that as well. And I think I think that the crying shame is that. As accountants, the, the professional bodies, um, and hopefully not offending anyone with saying this, they are changing as well, but we were never trained in commercial skills. We were trained in technical. We were trained in tax or accounting methodology, that sort of thing. Um, and I think now what's really important is that we think like business owners with a background in accounting. That that's And, and that will be attractive to anybody coming in because you're going to be a business owner who, I mean, you could be offshoring a lot of the accounting work and, and you could be doing more sales and marketing than you actually are accounting work. Now, you're still going to need the technical expertise, but you can contract that in. Um, you can get expertise. You've got, you, if you've got a team of 10 people, they don't need to be 10 top quality tax accountants. You might only need one or two. And, and the, the, the breadth of service you can offer as a modern accounting firm is, is quite different. Yeah, there is a new world coming. You mentioned offshoring earlier. There are plenty of accountants out there in places like the Philippines and India and other parts of the world, super highly qualified, very talented people, all the right technical skills, all the technology at the disposal. It must be a big piece of the jigsaw to look elsewhere and not directly employ people so that firms can keep promises to the clients and keep that capacity high. Yeah, I, I, I'm a staunch believer in offshoring. I mean, you think about what we buy in the world as consumers, most of it is from offshore. So why <laughs> would accounting services be any different? Um, and then there's some fear around, oh, well, that's going to mean jobs are going to be lost. No, there's a shortage of people. There, there aren't people wanting to do this work. So we don't have the talent in our country. You know, it's a little bit like truck drivers after Brexit in, in the UK or, you know, hospitality workers. That The people are not in the country, so we have to think of another alternative. And offshoring, I mean, the Philippines has got massive growth in people getting accounting, accounting qualifications. Absolutely. Speak to us briefly, Mark, for those that don't know, the, the key difference between offshoring and outsourcing. Yeah, so look, I'm probably no real expert on this, but outsourcing is when, as I understand it, is that you would contract another firm uh, that might be within your country or in another country, and they you're paying them a contract price to get work done. Offshoring is where you would have a team member in an offshore location who is really part of your team. And I've seen some great examples of this uh, in New Zealand where 
you know, team Zoom meetings where you know the, the two from the Philippines team are, are coming in, enjoying the, the meeting. There's some banter and a bit of fun, and they're, they're, they've got the brand and the logo and the uniforms of that accounting firm where they're sitting. Um, they might be sitting amongst 30 or 40 other accountants who are part of an offshore team for other accounting firms, but these two people are dedicated to that accounting firm. And the great thing about that is that they are part of the culture and, and who you are as a firm. And so they're starting to get some contact with the with the clients of that, that firm as well. It's just a it's a more inclusive type arrangement if that, you know, if they and then when we what we were talking about before about being attractive to to talent, if it's a four and a half day working week, then these people who are perhaps in the Philippines are getting a four and a half day working week as well. And then hold on a minute, they're looking at the people around them and they're all working four, five, six days a week and they're saying, oh, I wouldn't mind working for that firm. So it's easy to attract offshore talent as well. But that's another consideration. Mm. Got it. And you mentioned the word culture there. A feature of hybrid working is that firms have reported that it's more difficult to drive culture and imbue the values of a firm if you're not meeting and being in the same office. So if you can offshore and bring people in to that culture and, and get your values into them, then it becomes a more cohesive team. Yeah, and, and look, technology is making that super easy. I mean, Microsoft Teams have a, a, a an add-on, I think, called Poly, um, P-O-L-L-Y. And you can just set that up as a, as a four, we've set it up in our business, a four-question uh, thing that goes out on, on Teams once a week. So you know, what were your wins last week? Uh, what, are you, what are you working on this week? What support do you need? Um, that, that sort of thing. So oh, how are you feeling today is the first question. So all of a sudden, you've got a snapshot of how everybody in the office is feeling and then and what they've got going on. Your meetings are then a little bit more fun. You, you don't have to have an agenda so much because you've seen it all in the poly report. So there's a combination of digital plus the, the face-to-face or face-to-face online. So I think that's really important that we stay connected in that way. Let's just finish with your topic of passion, Mark, which is advisory. You've been blowing this trumpet for so many years. How has the last couple of years changed the game and made your message more, uh, shall we say, people more responsive to your message? Yeah, look, I think that the, why people are more responsive to advisory now is I think they are getting sick of hearing the talk about you must do advisory. I don't, I don't agree with that. The message is now, do you want to have the life that goes with advisory? Or do you want a different life? Do you, and, and I often think about the hamster in the wheel running around at fast and at high speed. That's the that's the high volume compliance model. That means tax filing deadlines are a nightmare. They're horrible. You know, 31 January in, in the UK, just awful, stressful. You know, you need three weeks off afterwards. So what's happened in the last two years, I think people have realized what do they want from their life? And if they want to do something different, advisory offers that. It's not a forced thing that you have to do. MTD, going back to what we started this conversation on, MTD is not going to make you redundant. You'll be busier than ever. A recession, you'll probably be busier than ever. Yep, you're going to, sadly, some clients will be lost, but others will need, need more help. So it's your choice what you want to do. And that's, the, that's what's so exciting about advisory is that people are choosing to do it now, not feeling that it's being rammed down their throat as a must do. Yeah, this is a great message to finish, Mark. It, it is a choice. But if you don't make the choice proactively, we're talking to the accountants listening, you'll have that choice made for you. Absolutely. Uh, whether that means being chained to a desk for 10, 15 years in the hope of making partner or doing something different and getting your hands on the steering wheel of your own career. So what would be your final 
parting words to the accountants listening, Mark, to get them to take hold of the opportunities coming up over the next couple of years in their world? Yeah, look, I, I think um, for the Star Wars fans out there, I'll probably botch up the Yoda quote, but I, I do love the, the um, Yoda quote. There is do or do not. There is no try. That's brilliant. Mark Jenkins, thanks so much for your passion and your insights today. Oh, a real pleasure, Rob, always. And um, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. It's great. Accounting Influencers Broadcast Network presents Influencers in Accounting. Brought to you by Advanced Track. Your access to world-class accounting leaders, global influencers and thought leaders. Discover what makes accounting firms great and accounting professionals world-class. Thank you for listening to this new talent in accounting podcast this is a relatively new show but already has over a thousand listeners so we appreciate you tuning in and sharing the show with your connections if you have a potentially good guest you'd like to see on the show with some great insights on talent reach out to me on linkedin with a message and we'll follow them up and as we build this show up we're looking for a couple of sponsors for whom talent and the accounting finance space is important Loads of great opportunities to get your brand out there and show your key messages and even get some of your own guests on the show. Again, drop me a message on LinkedIn to tee up that conversation. And for great podcast content elsewhere, make sure you subscribe to our main show, Accounting Influencers, goes out every Monday. And join the 40,000 listeners in 150 countries for brilliant interviews with the top leaders, experts, and influencers in the accounting and fintech world. Finally, why don't you join us and our community with some conversations at our next virtual speed networking session. These are now taking place every two months for accounting, finance, and tech professionals. 75 minutes of speed dating, great discussions, raising your personal profile, making new connections. Go to accountinginfluencers.com to register your free place for our next event. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great day.